the glory from everything that happens in this place in the next few moments. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A man often walked through the cemetery on his way home from work. One night, unaware that the grave had been dug in his path, he tumbled in. For some time he struggled to get out of the seven-foot hole, but he finally gave up and he settled down for the night. And an hour later, a farmer, out possum hunting, came walking and uh, he was walking through the cemetery and he too fell into the grave. He too began an, a desperate attempt to get out, unaware that there was anybody else in the grave with him. And the first man listened to him for just a few moments and then he reached over in the pitch darkness and he laid his hand on his shoulder and he said, you can't get out of the grave, but the farmer did. I'm going to let it sink in, y'all. Do you need me to retell it? The first man fell in the grave. He gave up. He went over, sat in the corner. The farmer came, fell in. And the farmer was trying to get out, and the guy reached over and touched him and said, you can't get out of the grave, but the farmer did. How many of you would come up out of that grave if, <laughs> if somebody touched your shoulder in the, in the middle of the night in a grave? Hello. Amen. Well, I'm glad we got that out of the way. Whew, tough crowd today. Let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 8. And I'm not going to have you stand, but I will have you turn there because we're going to read several scriptures. Luke chapter 8, and we'll start at verse 26. And this is, I, I started with that story because we're going to talk about a man in the graves, okay? Oh, sometimes, whew, sometimes your best laid plans fall flat. Verse 26 says, and they arrived at the country of the Gadarenes, which is over against Galilee. And when he went forth to land, there met him out of the city a certain man, which had devils long time and wear no clothes, neither abode in any house but in the tombs. He was naked. <laughs> he was naked and he was running around and he was hanging out in the tombs. That's not the kind of person that I'm looking at spending a lot of time with. <laughs> The naked part would be disturbing enough, but if you're hanging out in the tombs, that's even worse. And when he saw Jesus, he cried out and he fell down before him and with a loud voice said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of God most high? I beseech thee, torment me not, for he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for oftentimes it had caught him and he was kept bound with chains and in fetters, and he brake the bands and was driven of the devil into the wilderness. And Jesus asked him, saying, What is thy name? And he said, Legion, because many devils were entered into him. They besought him that he would not command them to go out into the deep. And there was a, a herd of swine, many swine, feeding on the mountain. And they besought him that he would suffer them to enter into them. And he suffered them. They then went the devils out of the man and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the lake and were choked. When they that fed them saw what was done, they fled and went and told it in the city and in the country. Then they went out to see what was done and came to Jesus and found the man of whom the devils were departed, 
sitting at the feet of Jesus, and look what the Bible says, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, I don't know about you, but I was a lot more afraid when he was naked and in the tombs. Not quite afraid of somebody who's at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. That doesn't scare me at all. But the Scripture says, they also which saw it told them by what means he that was possessed of the devils was healed. Then the whole multitude of the country of the Gadarenes round about uh, besought him to depart from them. For they were taken with great fear, and he went up into the ship and returned back again. Now, the man out of whom the devils were departed besought him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to thine own house and show how great things God hath done unto thee. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. This story in the Scripture is, to me, very uh, eye-opening, and and for many reasons, because the demoniac of gatherings, that's what we call him, because we don't really know his name, so we call him the demoniac, because he had a lot of demons, so that's demoniac, that's where that comes from. But he was in the area of the Gadarenes, in the island of the Gadarenes. He did not just wake up one morning and say, hey, I'm demon-possessed. This is not something that he was born with. It was not something that he just came down with, like the flu. You know, some some of you have come down with a sickness or a cold or a flu or something recently. He didn't just like, oh my goodness, I feel a a demon coming on me. You know, that's not how this happened. Somewhere in this man's life, he made a conscious decision that he was wanting to be free. He wanted to be free of God's influence. He wanted to be free from life's restrictions and responsibilities. He wanted to be free to do what he wanted to do. And now, as a demoniac possessed by demons, he became free. No shackle could bind him. No chain could hold him. He was no longer bound by social conventions that would tell him what to do or how to behave. That's why he could run around naked. He has no responsibilities to society. And in turn, society after a time no longer wanted him. He has become free. But his freedom cost him more than he really could have ever imagined. In this story we read in the Scripture, Luke chapter 8 here, he goes from zero to hero, and that's, that's wonderful, but he goes from the possessed to the clothed. He goes into his right mind, and now he's spreading the good news of Jesus. And, and that's great because we know the end of the story, but can we, can we go back to the first impression? Jesus has another chance to show people that He has power over the devil and over demons. Jesus has an opportunity to show the people around that He was in control no matter what was going on, that He uh, was the God over everything. And the people in the country of the Gadarenes have another chance to have a revival with Jesus. 
I've often wondered, I've often thought, and when I used to preach and I was evangelizing, I, I preached several times uh, kind of from this subject, but in a much different way. And, and I always kind of ask, what is the, the price of revival for you? What does cost? What does it cost? The, the, the price of your pigs, you know? Jesus uh, put, the, put the demons in the pigs and the pigs ran down into the, and they were killed. And, and, and so the people who were making money off of the pigs who had no business, Jews, raising pigs. It was a money thing. And so I said, what does revival cost you? What does it cost you to have a move of God in your life? And I would say that uh, when, when people come to that place where they are able to have a move of God in their life or something uh, just wonderful happen for them with Jesus, they oftentimes are going to have to let go of other things. They are oftentimes going to lose other things that may at the time seem important to them. But I can tell you that it will be worth it all. Because the man had another chance. He, he didn't just have one chance. The first chance, the first time we see him, the first opportunity, the first impression that I get is not somebody I would want to hang out with. It seemed like somebody that they would put in one of those scary movies, right? This guy's, you know, crazy. He's cutting himself. He's, he, he's naked. He's running around. Probably, you know, has, has some chains still, uh, uh, you know, kind of attached to him. Not together. He's, you know, he's broken those so he can get around. But, but he probably looks just like a wild, savage man. And, and he's running around in the tombs and he's acting crazy. But this man gets another chance to make a first first impression. And I began to think and read, and I've seen even in chapter 5 of Mark, the same story. It's a different gospel, but it's the same story. But the demoniac in our gospel uh, reading, we, we, we see he's out of control physically. He's out of control mentally. He, he has a mixed response when he meets Jesus. And you can see this for yourself, even, even in our Scripture, that this encounter with Jesus is an explosive encounter. Because any time uh, the, the, the presence of God comes in contact with evil, there's going to be sparks. <laughs> there's going to be fireworks. There's going to be some, some things that uh, uh, just don't go according to plan. The disciples' boat, it's beached near a graveyard and a herd of pigs. Both are ritually and culturally unclean for the Jews. And as Jesus steps out, I can just, you know, I can hear the disciples now. Like, why are we here? What is going on? Why would Jesus want to pull up here? What is the deal? I mean, look, there's pigs over there and there's, there's graves over here. I mean, we're Jews for goodness sake. We don't belong here. We're not supposed to be here. And Jesus steps out and a crazed man comes out of the tombs and he storms out and his wild hair and his bloody wrist and his scratched up and cut skin and, and, he's, and he's furry and he's encased in, in flesh and he's just naked bedlam and chaos, arms flailing everywhere, voice screaming. Can you picture these, these disciples of Jesus? <laughs> As they gawk and they gulp and they, they put a foot back in the boat. <laughs> like, okay, Jesus, it's been nice. It's time to go. Uh, we've been here long enough. But I can see this man uh, 
To, to our human eyes, He would not have seemed appealing. And, and, and the impression that we would have had stepping out of the boat was this is not some place I want to be. This is not some person with whom I want to have interaction. I was uh, not too long ago, I was at a place and I was being helped by somebody and this person. Um, most times people are very um, closed down about their scars and they, they uh, try to hide them. This person that was, was helping me was not shy about her scars, you could tell uh, she's a cutter. You could tell that she had, uh, she had cut herself many times before. And You know, I've seen this in, in several situations and sometimes these people are shy and sometimes these people are brazen. And, but any, in any uh, case, uh, every time I see it, my heart kind of goes out and I say, man, uh, how, how bad must it be that you, you would, would take a knife or you would take a razor to your skin and you would cut yourself? And wh- Why would some somebody do that and I understand that the pain is so great but but it goes even beyond that can I just can I say it it's a it's a mental problem it's there's something going on there and sometimes it's a spiritual problem similar for this man there was a a, a mental and a spiritual problem that was going on in his life and the townspeople had tried to help him. He had gone to the different anonymouses. He had gone to the different help groups and the different recovery uh, places. And, 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 and he scared everybody. And by restraining him physically, they tried to do their best. But the problem was much deeper because it wasn't just a mental illness. It was spiritual. He had at some point opened himself up because he wanted to do what he wanted to do. And that that spiritual rebellion always invites demonic spirits and demonic presence into our life. When we know what God wants us to do and we rebel against what we know God has for our lives and we go against that, we open ourselves up because we look at the very first sin. It was not uh, Adam giving or, or Eve giving Adam the fruit to eat. As a matter of fact, if you go back to the original sin, the original sin is when Satan decides that he will rebel against the Most High and He will exalt Himself. And, and I can tell you that every time somebody goes into rebellion against God, they are falling in line with their father. The original sin, their humanity is causing them Amen. To get into a place of rebellion against God which opens them up to the Spirit of the One who started all of that. Right. And all that laws and all that regulations can do is treat the outer man. We have medicines and prescriptions and all kinds of things now in our world and people are trying to get hip to uh, mental illness and they're trying to help everybody be aware that people actually do have mental problems. And, and this is why uh, the, the cause of suicide and the, the rates are uh, escalating not just in, in, in adults but also in teenagers and children. And, and they wonder why some of these things are on the rise and they want to blame it all and say, it's all mental illness and I will uh, try to do my best not to offend anybody and I will tell you that there is a lot of mental illness out there. There are a lot of things that are going on but never discount the fact that in addition to mental illness there's a lot of spiritual depravity. And what's going on in our world is a, is a hunger for spiritual things but not the spiritual things of God. And They open themselves up to these, these spirits and these things that 
that, uh, you know, and, I, and I, I'm, I'm trying to be very careful. I don't want mental illness to seem like I'm putting it on the back burner, but it's not just mental illness. There's a lot of people who are spiritually, uh, they have opened themselves up by things that they've watched and things that they've read and places that they've been and maybe things, some things that they've done and it's not just a mental illness. It, it may be, a, 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 what do they call that? It, it may be presenting as that, but that's not all there is to it. Because when somebody goes to the place of, uh, of this depravity spiritually, we find this in the Scripture. This man is here and he's been treated by human means and it didn't have any effect on him. And that's because human means will not cure somebody who is spiritually depraved. If we are spiritually depraved, the only thing that we can do is get Jesus back in the picture. The only thing that we can do is turn our lives back over to Him and say, God, I'm tired of trying to do it my way. I want to do it Your way. I'm tired of rebelling against You and going against what You say in Your Word for my life. I want what You have for me. Because the outer man and our our mental capacity only affects our behaviors. It doesn't touch the inner source of our problems. The inner source of our problems has to do with the spirit man and no laws could change the spirit man. No code of moral standards could free this man. I want you to hear me tonight. Most of us know what Christian behavior is and what it's not. We understand what is acceptable and what it's not. But, but don't you know that a list of laws will not change your heart? We can give you a list of regulations of this is how you can be pleasing and, and that list of regulations will not change your heart one bit. Matter of fact, sometimes you will just do those things in order to look the part. You will do those things in order to get along with other people. But the heart is the source of the issue. It's the seat of our emotions. It's what's making our decisions that must be changed. In Mark's account of this story, he states that no one could bind him anymore. Anymore. Apparently at one time they could subdue him, but it seems he's gotten worse over the years. When Jesus said to the disciples, let's go over to the other side, he knew exactly where he was going. And he knew who was waiting on him. I believe Jesus heard this man crying. I believe Jesus heard this man desiring change. He didn't know how it was going to happen. He didn't know how it was going to come. And, and the cycle of his life and the mess and the chaos that he had found himself in seemed to have piled up so bad that he was so out of control. He, th- he thought to himself, there is no hope for me. We see in our text that Jesus, first of all, He commanded the demons or the unclean spirits to come out of the man. And through this encounter, we get a a glimpse into the world of spiritual warfare. War which is, whether we want to acknowledge it or not, it is going on around us at all times. For just a few moments, just a few moments in this story, the invisible conflict becomes visible. And we are offered a position overlooking the battlefield. We hear nothing from the disciples through this encounter. Isn't it kind of interesting? I think if I was there, I would have been quiet too. 
I don't think I would have been saying, hey, Jesus, you need anything? No, I think I'd have been like, ooh, let's see how this is going to go. This is pretty interesting. I can kind of picture the disciples standing and watching just... The Gospel reading goes on, Jesus cast the demons out of the man and they entered into the swine and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake, uh, into the lake and was drowned. I believe those pigs suddenly possessed were compelled by the Spirit of God to run immediately down and plunge into the sea. I will dispense with any bacon jokes. <laughs> But let me just say this, the Lord is over all nature. He is Lord over all nature. And He commands the the demons go. And He can tell the pigs go. Take the demons into the sea. And that's the end of the demonic possession. The gatherings... Now, now I, I think it's kind of interesting. It says that they were choked, right? The pigs... Why not say the pigs were drowned? Why say the pigs were choked? I don't know. But isn't it weird that usually when the devil tries to get at it, he's usually using this right here. (laughs) I believe that these pigs, they had that spirit and and Jesus cast them out. They go into the pigs and, and the pigs go into the lake and Jesus didn't let them say one more word. Nope, you've had your time. You're done. Get out. Go, don't come back, and don't talk. Just I can't prove it. I don't have anything. But it does say that the pigs choked. Like I would have said, and the pigs drowned. But that—that's not what the Bible says. That was the end of this demonic possession. The Gadarene man was saved, and he was delivered. And I ask you today, what does this show us? What does this show us? This shows us a couple of things, a couple of very important things. First of all, it shows us that through the power of Jesus Christ, every one of us has the, uh, has the ability, we have another chance to make a first impression. All of us, when we came to Jesus, it was a mess. Well, let's just be honest. You know, some of us, you were brought up in church, but you still, even if you were brought up in church, when you came to Jesus with all that sin in your life, and you said, well, I didn't have a lot of sin in my life, but you had sin in your life, and you were a mess. You were full of stubbornness and pride, and I want to do it my way, and I don't want to listen to anybody else. And so uh, we find that the power of Jesus is able to give us another chance. And I find it just amazing that Jesus gives second chances. And third chances and fourth chances. And, and we, we call Him the God of the second chance. And I understand that many people cannot claim a past as dark as this man, and yet Jesus was able to spread the Gospel and share His love for all mankind through this man. Let me just... Let me, let me, let me see if I can just break it down just a little bit. I'm almost done. We see this man come to Jesus after Jesus delivers him. And he says, I want to go with you. Isn't that like our natural response? Shouldn't that be how Jesus, I want to go with you. Whatever, wherever you're going, that's where I want to be. And Jesus says, no. no. I want you to stay here and I want you to publish what, what's happened to you. I want you to tell everybody. I want you to share it with everybody. I want you to share this life experience with everybody. I'm I'm just trying to think of 
being this man, he's kind of like, Jesus, um, I don't know if you know what you're asking because these people don't like me. Matter of fact, when they see me coming, they go the other way. Does it sound familiar? You know, people, when they see me coming, they go the other way. And and how, how am I, how is it going to be that I can say anything or I can tell them anything at all because of what's happened to you? The power of God came in and changed you and gave you an opportunity. So the, the foul and evil spirits and that attitude and that, that, that presence that was on you that, that was causing you to make bad decisions and keep going the wrong way and opening yourself up to things that you never should have been exposed to, that's gone now. And, and through the power of Jesus, we get another chance to make a first impression. And what Jesus said is, I want you to use the power of the second chance. I want you to use the power of what I have given you to change the lives of those around you because there's no greater testimony than somebody who has been set free from these things. If this man had another chance, what do you and I have today through the power of Jesus Christ? And sometimes we're like, Jesus, I just want to be with you. I want to separate from all my worldly friends and all my worldly family. I just want to stay away from everybody. And all I want to do is be in the church. All I want to do is be in the house of God. I just want to be in your presence. I just want to go to every conference I can, every general conference, every, every preaching conference, every singing conference. I just want to be with you, Jesus. And Jesus is like, would you just go publish it to your friends and your family? And everybody who knows that you needed a second chance. <laughs> would, would you just start to change their impression of me? And the Scripture says that He went throughout the whole entire place. He went everywhere publishing this and people started changing, right? This is, this is amazing to me that as we read the Scripture and you see this in uh, verse... verse uh, let's see... Do, 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 verse 30, is that 38? No, 39. And he, he said, Return to thine own house, show how great things God has done to you. And he went his way and published throughout the whole city how great things Jesus had done unto him. It came to pass when Jesus was returned, the people gladly received him, for they were all waiting for him. Isn't it amazing that? We have the ability to set the stage for Jesus. He says, look, I'm going to do some powerful stuff in your life, and then I want you to make it known. I'm going to give you another chance to make a first impression, and when you have the opportunity, I want you to take that opportunity. So I would ask you today, what could you do this week to take advantage of a second chance to make a first impression? Is there some people that you know, maybe some people in your life, that uh, you have probably, you know, I don't know, at some point, maybe you've had run-ins with. Maybe there's some people in your life that things haven't gone so well. And, you know, and I'm not saying that you need to go preach to them. I'm just saying that you just need to go be Jesus around them. That's all. Yeah. I'm not saying go pull out your Bible and start quoting Scripture. I'm saying just go be Jesus. Let them know what great things God is doing in your life. I'm not saying you have to set them straight or, or tell them they're going to hell or anything like that. I'm, I'm asking you just to, to think about how Jesus would present to them. So there's one easy way that you can do that. First of all, I, I'm going to ask you this week, if you, if you don't have something that you already do, maybe this could be something that you would do. Uh, meditate, read Philippians chapter 4. The whole week, like all week, just 
Read, it, read that same chapter every week. And, and if you want, you could even memorize Philippians. Uh, Philippians chapter 4 is what we're going to read. And then Philippians chapter 4 verse 6. I want you to try to memorize that because uh, this, is, this is one of those things where we all have a tendency. This is, we struggle with this, don't we? Amen? To be anxious, be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And, and what if we just took time to meditate on, on good and honest and pure and lovely things and we wouldn't be anxious for anything, but we would let our requests be made known unto God like God. I've got you know Bob over here and, and Bob thinks I'm a nut. And God, I'm, I need a, a second chance here to make a first impression. God, I, I need you to help me uh, in, in showing Bob your love and, and helping Bob understand how great you are. God, would you open that door? If you'll pray it and you'll be Jesus and you'll let that second chance take place, guess what's going to happen? When Jesus comes into their life, they'll be waiting. Amen. When Jesus shows up and opens and, and He's knocking on the door, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And He said, that's what I do for everybody. If you've been Jesus to them and you've given them the opportunity to know what good things God has done for you, He'll do the same for them. Amen. And today, if you're bound by something and you feel like this, this man that was on the island of the gatherings and he was stuck in a, in a rut, stuck in a bad place, and maybe it was things that he had opened himself up to in the past, and you say, well, I, I, I've... I've made some bad decisions and I've, I've gone some, some wrong ways and I, I need to get back and I don't think there's any way for me to go back and save face at the same time. You're probably right. <laughs> but Jesus. Right. Amen. If you'll just turn it all over to Him. Because rebellion and doing what I want to do, that's what separates me from God and opens me up to all the things that the devil would like to use in my life to get me where I don't want to be. But if I'll surrender to God and I'll say, God, it's not my will, but it's your will. It's not what I want, but it's what you want. And God will come down and He will make a, a, a way for me. He will give me an opportunity, another chance to make a first impression. Would you stand with me? Each and every one of us have things that we are anxious about, things that we are nervous about, things that we want to see God fix and do and work out. But I wonder if today if there's, there's those of us that we would get our eyes off of just ourselves. And by doing that, we would surrender ourselves to God and turn to Him. But then we would begin to think about the effect that our life is having on other people. And we'd ask God, God, Give me another chance to make a first impression. Help them see your love in me. Help them see your power in my life. Help them know, God, that you're in control. And when you're in control, things can be better. Things can be so much better than they are right now. So this altar's open. I want to just invite you today. Why don't you spend time talking to God and saying, God, I turn it over to you. Whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, whatever's holding you back, God, I turn it over to you right now. In Jesus' name.